Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Till and a guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. All right, welcome to the Disciples Dialogue. We're so grateful to be recording uh, at this moment, episode number four. I've got a great uh, friend of mine, a speaker, a pastor, um, who I, I want to welcome to the episode today, um, Brother Caleb Dehart out of Ashburn, Virginia. Welcome to the uh, the Disciples Dialogue. It's my pleasure, and I am really excited about being here, Brother Teal. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I will. I will tell you, um, you and I have been talking, uh, before we hit the record button here and for all the listeners, um, we was talking about, um, I, I did want you to share your testimony with us and kind of, uh, let people know who you are and, and, you know, where your pastor at and, and kind of your story. I know, um, uh, if I can just preface your statements and in, in your testimony by saying, uh, you have a, a wife, uh, two sons, Jackson and, and Jude and, uh, married to, uh, Mandy D Hart. And so, um, tell us a little bit about your family and, and how God is using you all in, in Virginia right now. Yeah. So I am, um, born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, grew up there and, um, uh, grew up kind of in church my whole life. And, uh, around, I think it was 19, I moved out to St. Louis and went to Gateway College of Evangelism. That's where I met my wife, um, Mandy. And so we both uh, graduated um, from Gateway. And then I went to uh, Missouri Baptist University and got my uh, bachelor's in business administration. Then uh, my wife, she went on to Liberty University and got her master's in um, Christian counseling. Okay. Uh, and then from there, um, I moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina, where I became a young adult pastor, hyphen pastor, um, at a church in Fayetteville. Uh, and then my wife and I, we were over that, uh, ministry for four and a half years, something like that. Uh, then we moved to Connecticut for a little bit. God moved me up to the cold Northeast. Oh, wow. And, uh, so we were in Connecticut for about a year and a half. Um, and we were student pastors there over their youth group. God did amazing things. Um, uh, I think it was just really a season for, uh, us to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we knew it was going to be a short season and we had, had talked about that with pastor Elliot, uh, amazing pastor, um, great man of God. Uh, doing amazing things in Manchester, Connecticut. Faith Tabernacle is the uh, name of that church up there. And um, really just kind of helped get the youth group uh, in a good place there. Um, got them, uh, started a youth band with them. They're still playing to this day, doing uh, doing good things up there. Uh, and so then from there, uh, we, you know, we felt the calling. Uh, we we uh, felt that our ministry was kind of shifting and we thought it was to plant a church uh, in in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so we made preparations to do that, moved back to Richmond, and little did we know God had this uh, season um, of preparation for us to, to, to come to Ashburn. And so 
uh, it felt like kind of a, a wilderness season, you know, like the children of Israel wandering yeah. in the wilderness. Sure. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't 40 years. <laughs> uh, it was only about three and a half. Wow. <laughs> uh, but during that time, you know, God was preparing us to move to one of the most expensive places in the country. And yeah. so during that time, uh, we had twin boys, uh, Jude and Jackson, um, kind of unexpectedly came into the world. Um, we weren't ready to have kids, but Hey, you get ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, we, um, started companies and, um, during that time we, uh, evangelized and, um, you know, during those, those three years, we were able to pay off all of our student loans, get debt free, um, and really just kind of helped prepare us to, uh, to move up here to Ashburn. So, um, that's kind of a, big overview um of uh, kind of like who we are where we're we're at and so now we're at capital community church um under a great man of god uh chester mitchell and uh he started this church about 26 years ago uh he came out from uh california he was at um pastor haney uh, he was his assistant for years and um, felt a, a call to leave that and plant a church in Ashburn, Virginia. It's right outside of D.C. Metro and uh, church is uh, a growing church. And um, uh, and so he had called us and we built a relationship over two and a half, three years and um just needing uh, a family pastor to kind of oversee all the ministries here at the church. And so that's what Mandy and I do now is we kind of oversee the uh, youth ministry, the kids ministry, mm. our small groups, um, kind of just running the day in and day outs of, of the church uh, organizationally. So um, that's kind of what we do here and um, very busy. It sounds like you've been busy for quite a while. The Lord has yes. definitely moved you around uh, more than what I knew. I did not know that story. I knew you come out of Richmond, but I didn't. I wasn't aware of all the other places that you've been and and had yeah. been. Yeah, and Mandy actually moved when we got before we got married. She was in uh, Mississippi, oh. and so um, we've. I think we figured it up. Uh, but since we've known each other, we've moved like twenty sometimes yeah. um, in ten years. So. <laughs> <laughs> That, I told God, I said, God, I really love it if I could just buy my grave plot right here in Ashburn and just yeah. call it a day. But, you, know, you know, it's funny that you say that because um, Pastor Hall, Joey Hall, my pastor, and and I were talking just the other day, a couple of days ago, uh, about how often myself, and my wife, move. Uh, it in the last nine years, we've moved seven times, and so that's. You know, oh, wow. yeah, it's not a good track record. And we've been in this house for two years now. So it's like everybody's waiting on the day that we pick up and move again. Uh, thankfully, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. locally. It's funny. We, um, so, you know, just being in ministry, you don't make a lot of money. So we've always bought houses that needed work. Mm -hmm. And every time we finally get the house done, we move. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It always happens. It happened in Richmond. It happened in Connecticut. It happened in North Carolina. <laughs> Leave so something undone like, in Ashburn. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're renting in Ashburn. So, um, we haven't bought yet. There you go. Okay. Kind of scared too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible that I guess you never saw yourself, never thought probably 
uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably never thought that you would end up 45 minutes outside of DC, uh, being, uh, family pastors, um, over these ministries. I can't imagine that you had that in the plan. No, no, that I, it never really occurred to us. You know, um, we, you know, initially we, we had thought we were feeling this, uh, urge to start a church and, um, you know, the boys came along and it, it was literally God had us in Richmond for a season of preparation. And we never thought, uh, it would be for this. Mm-hmm. And I felt like God was in those moments, just kind of stretching us, increasing our capacity, um, to be able to, 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 to do this assignment he has us on. So yeah, yeah never, never thought about it. it. You never, most of the time, most people don't see it coming. Uh, it, it unfolds and you, you know, go through the, the hills and the valleys and you, you know, take a few on the chin, um, you learn mistakes yeah. and, and learn from your mistakes along the way. And I found that to be true in my life that, uh, and I, I know many listeners will as well. Um, I never in a million years, if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I would be where I am right now in the secular world and in the church, I would have said you're, you've lost your mind. Um, yeah. but God has a funny way of turning things on its head and using people who the world would look at and say they're not usable. Uh, and so you need yeah. to discard them and find somebody else because God can't use somebody like that. But he does, uh, you know, and I've always said, if he can speak through a donkey and use a donkey, then he can use me. Right. Very true. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to, to take a turn here. Um, I appreciate you telling us your story and about what you're doing uh, now, but I wanted to, when I, when I thought about having you on to the episode and I'm, I'm thankful that you said yes, um, for the listeners, I really felt um, that I wanted to share this part of uh, of of your story and and really get your thoughts on a specific topic. And that is the last time, probably, well, with the exception of camp meetings and things like that, the last time that I uh, you were in town and heard you preach uh, for us at our church, um, it was like a every time you come to preach for us, it always snows or there's a hurricane or something happens. Literally in the middle of April, it would snow. It would snow in the middle of April. Uh, <laughs> and so we just couldn't figure it out, but we did have an opportunity for you to, uh, to preach to us. We actually had to gather in our my pastor hall's basement. Uh, so yes. we had a bunch of people from the church come over. And, and so we, either way we said one way or another, Brother Dehart is going happen. to be preaching for us. <laughs> so <laughs> we did what we had to do, and uh, and you were gracious enough to come into a, a basement and preach for us. Um, and and I remember what you what you talked about was the it was actually out of Romans uh, chapter twelve verse two. I want to read this just one verse, and then I want you to maybe expound a little bit upon it. Uh, the scripture says. Uh, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And and that I remember that stuck with me. I know it was it was in the basement. It wasn't even at the church. But uh, that message, the way that you delivered it, the things that you said, had an impact on my life. And and in so much that I wanted to bring it up again and, and have a whole episode about it. And so. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you when it talks about the the transformation 
the renewing of our mind. I want you to, if you could expound upon what is it about our mind that needs to be transformed and renewed and, and tell us a little bit about that process as you see it. You know, I remember speaking on that message and, you know, most of the time when I'm speaking, I'm speaking about something that's going on personally and what was going on personally during that time was what I had kind of shared with you. You know, you planned to come start a church, wasn't working out, seemed like you were getting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Um, and, uh, you know, during all that time, I couldn't find a job. I had been in the ministry full time for my goodness, like five or six years, which, you know, you may, you may say like, well, that's not a long time, but when you come straight out of college into ministry full time and you skip the secular field, mm-hmm. people in the secular field look at it as, well, that's not a job, you know, that's not a real job. Um, and so I literally couldn't find a job. I probably had 200 applications out. I had people, I had captains in the military giving me references and I couldn't even get a phone call uh, for an interview. Mm. Um, During that time uh, I was working a construction job for 15 bucks an hour. Um, We were living with my parents. Um, It was just a rough season of life. It was just, it was one of those seasons where you have to be careful that you think, you know, you, you, <laughs> my Lord, my Lord, why has thou forsaken me? Right. Um, and that's, that's kind of like, you know, where you're at in your headspace. And so that scripture, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We have, we have to shift how we think. Um, and we have to have an elevated perspective. I think something that's going on in my head right now um, in the season that we're in is you can look at something as an opportunity, or you can look at something as, uh, as Satan trying to kill me. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Right. And he fasted for 40 days. And so, you know, the Bible talks about the spirit led him into the wilderness yeah. to be tempted, you know, not the devil, the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And so, yes, obviously the devil's going to try to, to, to do something different with that. Um, it reminds me of the story, Joseph, um, all that, all that, uh, Joseph went through. Um, and I think that story is so powerful because his family betrays him. He gets sold into slavery, into Egypt and, um, then he works his way up in Potiphar's house right? and then he gets lied on uh, and his master doesn't believe him. Mm-hmm. And, and so he gets thrown into a prison uh, for a number of years. And, you know, we know this, I mean, it's common knowledge that Egyptian prisons were probably not like modern day American prisons. Right. Um, and then he finally gets elevated to, second in command in Egypt. Yeah. And what's amazing about this story is, is we see kind of the bigger perspective as it unfolds, you know, there's a famine about to hit the land. And if Joseph hadn't gone through all that he'd gone through his whole family, Egypt, everybody would have died. Yeah. I would even dare say the lineage of Jesus would have, would have, would have been wiped out if Joseph hadn't gone through what he went through. And what's a, 
amazing about it is Joseph's perspective. Yes. Is at the very end, his brothers are scared that he's going to die or they're going to die. Mm-hmm. And Joseph looks at his brothers and says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And I think when it comes to renewing our mind, we have to, uh, that, that the second part of that scripture so that you will prove to God what is good and acceptable. And we have to, um, and I, I I speak to myself when I say this, we have to change how we think Mm -hmm. and we have to think about things differently. And when something happens, the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, did I do something stupid to cause this? And is this my fault? And if it's something that's not my fault, then it's like, okay, now what is God trying to do with this? Yeah. And, and I think when we can shift our focus, you know, when Jesus prayed, he said, you know, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's in anguish because he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to be nailed on the cross. And yet he says, God, not my will, but, but will. your will be yeah. done. Yeah. And I think when it comes, when Paul's talking about that, I, I feel like he's talking about that. He's, mm. he's talking about, are we wanting God's will to be done in our lives or do we want our will to be done in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of my thought process behind the renewing of the mind is, we have to change how we think. We have to change how we view ourselves. We have to change the perspective on what's happened in our past to us. Um, we have to change our thinking on what's currently going on mm. in our lives. Because the thing is, here's the deal, um, is things are going to happen to us. The Bible says trials are going to come. Right. The, the, the deal is, is it's going to happen one way or the other. And we got to go through it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. The question is, is getting mad at God is not going to change anything. Right. Not believing in God is not going to change anything. So the question is, is like, okay, now do I need to just choose to say, God, whatever is going on in my life right now or whatever happened in my past can't change it. Mm. We're going to do everything we can to get through it but we can't change it. What are you trying to do? That takes a conscious effort, right? Yes. Yes. And that's what yes. you're talking about. And you got to take the emotion out of it. You have to take the emotion out of it. And so Paul also talked about, uh, when I, when I think about that and I hear what you're saying, um, and it's so good, but Paul also says in first Corinthians 13 and 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood mm-hmm. as a child uh, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, and I believe that that also goes back to childish thinking. Um, yeah. we, there has to be, in my opinion, there has to be a, a day upon which the believer, you, myself, and everyone else has to mature to the point in God to where we say, I'm not going to respond with a temper tantrum. I'm not going to respond <laughs> because getting angry doesn't fix anything. You, you said that, um, yeah, not believing in God and just giving up on him doesn't fix anything. So what's the practical application for the believer in your opinion? So that we respond in a, in the right way, what, what would you say are the practical ways that we can respond, um, 
so that we can be transformed in that process? The thing that, um, and I'm just going to, honestly, I'll just, I'll kind of relate to what I'm, I'm going through right now. You know, I would say, you know, this position that I am in, um, is probably one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. Um, it's probably one of the most stressful things I've ever done. And, you know, Mandy and I both have these moments of like, what are we doing? Like, this is so difficult. You know, why would any human being put themselves through this? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And practically speaking, I think, um, first off, you have to be mentally healthy. And I think the first thing that I've done, um, practically speaking is two things. Um, you can't fight, um, spiritual battles with the flesh. You have to fight spirit with spirit. That's right. And so I think the first thing you have to do, the first thing that I committed to, um, when I, when I moved here is, um, is I'm at the church every morning at six 30, uh, Monday through Friday. And, um, I'm praying. I pray from six 30 to seven 30. Um, and, uh, that's just a habit that I have. Um, my walk with God and there's times, uh, I, I was up here this morning and allergy season is in. That's why I'm sniffling like I am. Uh, pollen is in full force. Yes. And so Jude last night has this terrible cough and we literally, I laid in bed with him till four o'clock this morning. Uh, did not go to sleep at all. Um, but I, I got up here and I got up here to the church. Um, and, you know, there's times where, uh, my prayer is not that great. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, but the point is for me, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. It's not that I'm a super spiritual person. Like I, I try to be as spiritual as I can and have a, a close relationship with God. But for me, it's more of my flesh. Yeah. It's more of my Caleb, you desire sleep. And because you desire sleep, you need to tell your flesh, no, I desire God more than I desire sleep. Yeah. You know, the next thing that I do, um, and I'm not every day with this, but I am at least three days a week. As soon as I'm done with prayer, I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate going to the gym. I hate it. I hate going to the gym. I'd rather somebody punch me in the nose <laughs> than get on the treadmill or the row machine Amen to or that. the elliptical uh, and do that. But again, for me, um, it's not more about like, I want to be healthy, but for me, it's more of a flesh thing. Yeah. It's saying to myself, Caleb, because you don't want to do it, yeah. do it. Yeah. You, you're going to do it. Um, because when it comes back to the mind, mm-hmm. when those negative thoughts are coming to mind or that, um, insecurity is coming into my mind, I can tell myself, Caleb, you beat yourself every morning. Yeah. Like you kill your flesh every morning. You get up in the morning. You tell yourself to do that. You tell yourself to go to the gym and you can do that. Why can't you tell yourself in your mind, like, Hey, I rebuke the thoughts that are coming into my head. Yeah. You rebuke your flesh every morning. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so I know that's, that's very, very practical, but that's my approach to it. Um, 
and most people, there's a guy here at our church. He's a, a retired football player uh, for the Redskins, and he's he he tells me the same thing. He has a gym now, and he says it's not about working out; it's about you telling your flesh no. Yeah, you're, you're going to do this stuff, and so um, practically speaking, you know, um, I get up early in the morning uh, to fight my battles in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times where I'm just worshiping God and then <laughs> there's times where I'm rebuking every devil in the yeah, church. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, um, and then on a practical side, it's really, you know, I can't remember his psalmist or whoever he says early will I seek thee in the morning. Yes. Um, people don't want to get up in the morning. Right. And so people definitely don't want to get up in the morning to pray. Right. Um, and so, but I think there's some significance to, making yourself get out of the bed mm-hmm. to seek the face of God. Um, because again, I think it does two things. You start your day off with Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and you, you have once again done something to beat your flesh. I like, I really like that. I think that's, that's really good. Um, I will add one thing that I, I have done in the past uh, and probably could stand to do again um, is I, I remembered it was so simple. Um, sometimes the most effective things are not always very complicated things are very simple. Yeah. Uh, and so mm-hmm. I remember a time when I took two sticky notes, I wrote on one of them, um, what will you do for the kingdom today? God's kingdom. Yeah. And I put it on yep. my mirror where I get ready and I look into that mirror every day and I ask myself that question. And the second yeah. sticky note was because I look in that same mirror at the end of the day before I go to bed and it says, what did you do for the kingdom today? Wow. Yeah. And so I had to face that uh, every, every morning and every night. And I had, there were, uh, Brother Dehart, there were times, um, sadly, I can, but I'll be honest and say that there were many times where I, at the end of the day, I say, man, I, I really didn't do anything for the kingdom. I, I built my kingdom, but I didn't yeah. build his kingdom. And so, but that was a practical way, something tangible that I could look at and touch to say, to keep me in check and to overcome the battle in the mind to say, yeah. and, and to push beyond, because sometimes I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, obviously if your flesh wants to do it, it's probably not pleasing to God. <laughs> Right. But if it, the, the Bible says that the flesh is enmity with God, it hates to do the will of God. Yes. And so yes. like you said, to allude to what you said, uh, you don't want to pray in the morning. You don't want to work out, but those are the things you get over the battle in your mind and say, mm-hmm. brother Caleb, we're doing this today. And so flesh has to get out of the way. And then you sow to yeah. the spirit. And, and I yeah. think that I really, I really like that. I want, I want you know, to, another thing that I, I wanted just to add in there really sure. quick, if you don't mind, sure. you know, in the very beginning of time, um, and God kind of just revealed this to me. Um, and if I'm late to the, to the game, then forgive me. Uh, but I was reading in Genesis, uh, when God created everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bible says that everything he created, he spoke into existence, right? right, right. Everything he created, he spoke it into existence, except for mankind. He formed us. And the Bible says he formed us, right? Mm -hmm. He formed us out of the dust of the ground, but we were still dead. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that then he breathed life into us. And so we weren't spoken into existence. We were formed out of really sin. Yes. You know? Um, And so, 
what gave us life was the breath of God. Yes. And so the way I look at it is it's literally, we are two different things. We are spiritual and we are physical. And, you know, that's the same thing Jesus was. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, but he was 100% God and 100% man. And I kind of look at it the same way. I am 100% human and I'm 100% spiritual. And every day that I wake up, like to your point, you look in the mirror and you have to tell yourself who is going to win today. Yeah. Yeah. Is my spiritual man going to win today Hmm. or is my physical man going to win today? And so, you know, again, going back to the point is for me, it's like, I want my spiritual man to win every day. It doesn't. But part of the way I can beat my flesh is to do something physical that I don't want to do. That's why fasting is so hard. It is. It is. You know, because you're telling your physical man, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, I had a, I saw a preacher once, you know, I don't know if you, did you go uh, to the men's conference last year? I believe so. Yeah. Um, I forget the, 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 uh, the name of the, the guy who spoke, but I loved what he said. Um, you have a, you have a, a spiritual and a physical man you're fighting every day. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you, if you sin and you do something that's not pleasing God, you need to go in the mirror and you need to say, all right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm withholding a meal from you. That's today. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and literally have a talk with your flesh. Yes. Um, I love that analogy because it, it really helped because it really puts it in this perspective of, you know, you, it's a war yeah. that's going on between your spirit man and your, and your physical man. Was that brother Hughes? Is that right? Yes, yes, Dr. Hughes, yes. yes. And uh, also Brother Dillingham, I believe, was there. Incredible uh, stuff that day. But he was he was right. And, I, yeah, that, that really, I think that blew everybody's mind. You know, when, you, yeah. when you're able to overcome the battle in the mind and look at yourself in the mirror and say, today, if you don't act right, I'm not feeding you. And that, I was yeah. like, wow, you know. Yeah. But it's something that we've got to do. Uh, I want to I wanna spin this a little bit more and, and get your – perspective on this because I've heard it said, I'm not a, uh, a you know professional in this field, but I will say that I've heard it said that the human mind, the brain does not fully develop. The frontal lobe does not fully develop until you're in your early thirties. Um, okay. and yeah. so if that's the case, um, let's say late twenties, early thirties, I, when I think about that, I'm reminded of people who are young, who are used well before that age, biblically speaking, and even today, I was, you know, uh, being used by God before I was the age I am now, 33 years old. Um, but God's been using me for, you know, eight, nine, ten years now. And so we constantly get more wise. We should become more wise with time. We should learn from our mistakes and, and become smarter creatures, make better decisions. Uh, but then I think about in the Bible, uh, you know, Josiah was made king at eight years old. Um, that's scary. Eight, yeah, that's scary. <laughs> he was the ruler uh, of of a lot of people at the age of eight. Years. My son's nine, and I can only imagine <laughs> if if he were in charge right now. And that is a scary place to, to be. But when I think about that, I want to take it and and full circle to the mind. If our mind, if our natural mind is not developed, you know, fully developed until we're in our thirties, you know, early thirties, what do you believe the, the 
connection is spiritually. You talked about, you know, we are spirit and we are in flesh. Um, but if our spiritual man, can our spiritual man be more mature than we are naturally? I think so. I think so. I mean, again, I think going back to, to Romans that you prove to God what is good and acceptable. Um, I, I think you can be, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I honestly think the most mature people that I have found myself to be around are those who are spiritually mature. Cause I think it also matures them, um, you know, physically as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the thinking is different. Yeah. Um, the, the thinking is just is so different because everything is about the Christian walk is countercultural to what our world says. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the world says, um, you know, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. Mm-hmm. And God says, well, no, you need to come to me and expose all of your, your mess. And then once you've exposed all of your mess, then the world would say, well, make it all about you, make it all about you, make it all about you. And then God says, no, well, once you've exposed all your mess and accepted all your faults and stop blaming everybody else, now go out and make it all about everybody else. And so I think when you grow up with that countercultural thinking and you mature spiritually in that thinking, I think it automatically just, it, it gives you a different Aurora presence um, and maturity about you in the physical realm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and I I would agree with that. I I believe the same. I believe that God, you know, the Bible says that we are to take on the mind of Christ. Um, yeah, and it doesn't say that you know when you're forty five, when you're fifty seven years old, you can officially take on the mind of Christ. Jesus yeah. was found in the temple at twelve years old. You know teaching and yeah, blowing yeah, people's yeah. minds being used by God. And, and of course people, some people would dismiss that and say, well, he was Jesus after all. Of course he could do that, yeah, but yeah. he was still flesh. You, you alluded to yeah. this. He was 100% flesh and he did not always, um, take advantage of the spirit, him being God manifest in the flesh. I think that, you know, he, a great example of that is when he submitted himself to his parents right? He was God. He didn't have to submit to nobody, but in his flesh, he did. He did. Right. And so, um, when I think about that, I I think that we, and, and all this is to say that if we're not, um, if we're not fully mature in our natural brain, or if someone is of, of a young age, I think it's a great disservice to the kingdom. If we say you can't be used yet, Right. You can't be used in the ministry because you've not done this long enough. You've not been around the block yet. And so leave that to the adults, leave that to the the elders, if you will. I believe that God can use anybody right now. What do you what do you think about that? And and I and I I'll take it a step further. I wouldn't even leave it to kids. I think a lot of times um, we have these uh, people that like, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that because you're not reached this level of maturity in Christ. Wow. And, and I I would even say like Jesus called all of his disciples and they were a mess. Yes. Yes. And yet he used them. Wow. He used them. And, um, 
you know, Paul, take Paul, for example, he got filled with the Holy ghost and baptized. Next thing you know, he's out preaching the word of God. That's right. Um, and, and so, yes, I, I, I believe, don't, don't, I don't want it to get mixed characterized. There is structure and there's order within the church and you have to have different levels, but proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, why put a lid on that? You know, why tell somebody, no, you know, I, I don't see that in scripture. Um, uh, you know, and again, I'm not saying, you know, let somebody get up there and teach theology, uh, that is brand new. No, I don't think that, but at the same time, I think using people where they're at and, and getting them doing something in the kingdom of God, well, I think it only helps graft them into the kingdom of God even more. Yeah. And, and so to take it back uh, before we end today, to take it back to Romans 12 and two, I believe it was when it said be transformed. That is, that's a process, Right. It's yeah. and, and so to, to tie that with what you just said, it's not going from zero to a hundred instantly. It's mm-hmm. it's building, it's you know, growing. And so yes. I believe that we can yes. we can use people, we use wisdom to use people, right? Yeah. And that's why why God gave us the fivefold ministry and pastors who who can prayerfully and in subjection to God make those decisions to say, okay, I'm going to, this may not be a pulpit ministry uh, man right now or, mm-hmm. or child right now, but I can use them in the parking lot ministry. I can, they can hold a yeah. sign. They can, they can, you know, so there's capacities at which we, everybody can be used, but, um, but the transformation to get a renewed mind is a process. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And to, to think otherwise, I think would be foolish. I think God can obviously go in and, and heal somebody's addiction like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's a slow process. It's a, it's a slow process to overcome those things. And that's what the key to the Holy Ghost is. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It gives you the power of a changed mind, I think, yeah. to to help you overcome whatever it is, yeah. you know? Um, and the thing is, again, we're fooling ourselves if we think, you know, you know, we, we got the Holy ghost, we're baptized. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. Well, no, that's not right. I mean, yeah. like Jesus was full of the Holy ghost and yet he hung on a cross naked yes. on a tree yes. and died a very painful death. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's as bad as you can get. Yeah. Um, and so, I think it's again going back to not my will, God, but your will be done. Yeah. And whatever that looks like, help me to know that I'm living my life for you, not for myself. Yeah. I, I think it's really good. And I, I appreciate your comments. I appreciate your testimony. And I appreciate you sharing with us today. Um, before we end, can you take a second to? tell people who may be close to the Ashburn, Virginia area um, when they can be in service with you all and what all you have going on right now. Yeah. So um, we have service at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Um, uh, And for our Spanish, uh, we have a four o'clock service on Sunday afternoons. Um, And then during the service, we have programming for our kids, uh, for our toddler age, um, and then on Wednesday nights, we have uh, what we call community groups. And so those happen at seven o'clock. So we have our, our, our students 
uh, meet on Wednesday night. Uh, we have programming for the kids on Wednesday night, and then we have different groups that meet uh, throughout our building on Wednesday night. Just for example, we're going through a book called The Beta Satan. Uh, it's by uh, an author named John Bevere, and he talks about offense and how offense uh, can just wreck your life. You have to be careful um, with offense. So that's one of the classes we have going on. Uh, then we have some other classes that are going on. Um, if you want to know more about the church, it's capitalcommunity.org. And you can go there. It'll give you all the information uh, and events and everything that's going on at the church. Praise God. Well, thank you so much for coming uh, and joining us here on the Disciples Dialogue. We really enjoyed it, and uh, we can't wait to have you back on again, okay? Yes, sir. It was my pleasure. All right, everyone who's listening, be blessed, and we will see you in two weeks with another episode. Thank you for joining us today on the Disciples Dialogue.